0: I begin with a quote. Our form of government has no sense unless it is founded in a deeply felt religious faith, and I don't care what it is. Uh, This quote comes from President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who at the time had just been elected president. uh, When he offered this amusing and telling bit of wisdom, It was becoming clear in 1952 that the atheist Soviet Union was the primary political rival of the United States. But what interests me most uh, today, and why I bring up Eisenhower's quote, is how well it captures a certain uh, aspect of politics that we just take for granted, our cultural understanding of how religious faith benefits the state in some way, And most important is this, Uh, according to Eisenhower and other esteemed persons in our history, our political system uh, is such that religious faith serves political ends. Another way to say this is that politics has subjugated faith. Now, any political leader is going to need or or to tend to prefer certain types of citizens, citizens who will, you know, do what the leaders want. And as they typically understand it today, the job of religion is to form sort of private citizens in civic virtue so that politicians will find willing subjects to achieve their political goals. And until fairly recently, at least, it was understood that traditional Protestant religion was to do this work of cultural formation. And this was the principal reason why Catholicism was actually quite suspect. The Pope was seen, uh, similar to the, the Soviet Union, I suppose, was seen as a rival, a rival monarch to the American way of life. And Catholics, therefore, were potentially divided in their loyalty. Now, as it happens by Eisenhower's day, uh, even Catholicism was becoming more or less acceptable in many American circles, and of course we know that our first Catholic president would be elected at the completion of Eisenhower's second term. Uh, This was an ambivalent victory for Catholicism in the United States, uh, because it's possibly just admitting that Catholicism is just another tool for the political state to serve the, the ends of uh, cultivating a kind of civic virtue, and then it has to get out of the way uh, when it comes to the big decisions, the important decisions. Now, this notion of religious faith as something more or less private and useful for forming citizens of an essentially secular political body is obviously problematic. But why exactly? And this is where I want to turn to today's gospel. It is the Pharisees who are unable to rejoice in the cure of a blind man. I mean this is really something. Here are the works of God manifest, done by this preacher from Galilee. What is it that blinds the Pharisees to this? As our Lord puts it at the end of the Gospel, it's actually because they're the ones who think they can see, when in fact they are blind. But, but in what way? Obviously, this is a spiritual blindness. What is this spiritual blindness? Well, they are unable to recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, that is, as the Messiah. And of course, this would be a dangerous thing to do, because to say that Christ is the Messiah is to say that, again, he is the Sovereign and not Caesar. Now, the blind man is quite willing to do this and asks Jesus, Who is this person so I may know? And when the Lord says, I am he, what happens? The blind man, the man who had been born blind, worships him. This is a a daring act, whether by the standards of the temple in Jerusalem or by the standards of the Roman political order. Because uh, obviously these are put into a secondary place, vis-a-vis. the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Pharisees who are unable to see Christ as the Messiah, uh, they fit a saying of St. Paul's. They're zealous for God in a certain way, but it is a zeal that is unenlightened. And in the second reading, Paul alludes to the same theme, now referring to the baptized Christians, "You were once darkness." You were once the blind ones, but now you are light in the Lord. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And These passages are very important that we understand them properly because there's a great separation that's taking place here. The difference between the old life that the, these new Christians were living and the new life which was in breaking after their baptisms, there's a radical break there. It's a radical difference. It's the difference between blindness and sight, not being able to see at all and being able to see. It's the difference literally between death and life, the difference between us before we enter the font and afterward. In another place, St. Paul says it this way, Our citizenship is in heaven. We are no longer earthly citizens of any state in the strong sense. We're pilgrims and sojourners here. And as such, our understanding of what the good life is, of what the virtuous life is, must continually undergo a a radical reordering because it's now defined according to the infinite wisdom of God. It's something compared to which we're always blind. And we're always learning to see. And our, our minds must be continually renewed in this new reality, which is to say that we have to go undergo a conversion, an ongoing conversion, one that leaves behind, uh, if I can say it, a polite civic virtue that earthly states need from us for their own goals and embraces a life of theological virtue those theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And it's very easy to mistake this aspect of the gospel and, again, to take faith, hope, and love and just make them serve political ends. Well, we'll be better persons if we have strongly felt religious faith. Better persons by whose standard? By Eisenhower's standard. You know, by the world's standard. But what about God's standard? It's easy to be lulled into... Uh, a notion of religious faith that uh, is assumed to be at the service of our American experiment. So among the conversions we have to undergo is to discover a different understanding of faith itself than what is typical in our American religious discourse. And this can be a profoundly uncomfortable thing because it's so much at odds with what is considered the proper place of religion in our world. And I really am speaking of something much more radical, uh, even than espousing correct political stances. Uh, So, for example, um, of late, I've felt a certain amount of pressure, and not just felt, I've been, you know, sort of called to account by certain persons I know, to hold forth on policy debates regarding immigration and health care and so on. And, you know, this is fair. I'm a public representative of the Catholic hierarchy. I, I should be able to do this in some way or other. Yet at the same time, uh, this constant focus on on these political questions is a great danger because, again, the the danger is that we reduce our faith, a theological virtue, Christ coming to life in us, Christ walking among us, that virtue that enlightens us to spiritual realities, that lifts up our hearts to spiritual things, is merely reduced to a political tool for deducing correct policy. That's all the more it serves. You have to say something, and, and meaning you have to say the right thing. <laughs> you know? Now, it's true that as followers of Christ, uh, we deepen our understanding of faith by living out radical teachings, difficult teachings, uh, caring for the poor, caring for the stranger in our midst, welcoming the stranger. But does this just mean paying our taxes and then agitating for, for political goals, health care policies? Or is, it, or is it really taking care of the stranger in our midst, our neighbor, the, the person next to us, my brother in the monastery? Do I see the mighty works of God taking place in my own midst? Do I recognize it in persons worshiping Christ as Lord, stepping outside of this earthly, worldly, political order to raise our hearts to spiritual things. Our very presence here today is an act of theological virtue, of faith, of worship of Jesus Christ, the true Lord. And as such, it's really at odds with any worldly state that, that doesn't acknowledge who Christ is. Am I blinded by a habit of thinking that real power is in political association and voting blocks? I have to get as many people on my side for my policies as possible. Lent is a time to re-examine our growth in genuine faith, hope, and the cruciform virtue of love. It's good for us to ask ourselves, you know, which camp am I in? Am I the blind man waiting for Christ to enlighten me, looking to live a totally new life, a transcendent, divine life that is the free gift of God at baptism? Or am I thinking that I know already what's required of me? Have I limited myself to a worldly vantage point and quietly assumed that it's God's job to uphold the world's order rather than my job to follow God's will, even if it makes me impolite or worse, useless to worldly power? One way... uh, to check this is a question I put to the brothers from time to time. Am I just striving to be a better version of myself, the person I think I already am? Or am I living truly by faith, walking into a future in which my new identity in Christ is being revealed to me, a completely new person, my old identity fading away? You know, walking into a strange land, as it were, that I'm learning to appreciate as my true homeland, my heavenly homeland. This is a restatement of our Lord's warning at the end of the gospel. If you were blind, you would have no sin. So let us walk by faith and not by sight.